Welcome to the Professional Drinkers podcast, brought to you by choosesunrise.co.uk. I'm Janet Hadley, and this is for you if you're an HR professional, a business owner, or a leader who'd like to explore the drinking culture in your workplace. I'll bring you lived experience stories, expert views, and tips for creating a drink-safe workspace without killing the buzz. Hello and welcome back to Choose Sunrise. Oh, how's everyone doing? I can't believe it's the middle of February already and it's almost spring. It's been a bit of sunshine in the air this week, which has been absolutely lovely and very, very welcome, as I'm sure you've all noticed. And it's been an incredibly busy two weeks since we last came out with a podcast. can't believe how much has happened, actually, in Choose Sunrise. Um, so couple of announcements for you. I'm really excited to announce that I'm going to be making an appearance at the CIPD Workplace Wellbeing Conference on the 1st of March. Um, so I will be teaming up with um, Abigail Hersham of the Charlie Walder Trust, and we're going to be talking about all things taboo in the workplace. Um, so Abigail specializes in talking about suicide prevention, and obviously I specialize in talking about reducing the risk of harm from alcohol. And those two topics are intrinsically linked. They really are. And I'm really looking forward to bringing you some value and content at that event. So if you've not already booked onto it, then you can do via the CIPD website um, and that's in central London on the 1st of March, 1st and 2nd of March, the conferences. Um, the other thing I just wanted to mention is that I am getting really, really booked up for Alcohol Awareness Week, which is the 2nd to the 9th of July. So if you are interested in having a workplace wellbeing webinar in um, your workplace, obviously, um, you do need to get in touch pretty quickly because there's only a limited number of places left for that. And if you want a taster of what that might look like, why not come along to a free webinar that I'm putting on, um, courtesy of Stratus Coaching. So that's on Thursday, the 9th of March at 10 a.m. It's completely free um, and you can reserve a space on Eventbrite and you can either search for Stratus Coaching or for the name of the webinar, which is What Are We Going To Do About Dave? Um, so looking forward to that. Um what else has been going on? I oh, had such a great event with the Alcohol Free Drinks Company. Um, we hosted an event at Band on the Wall in Manchester where we invited uh, members of the Co-op Sober Curious Society to come along as well as lots of the Sober Butterflies, um, which is a, an organisation that Hannah Taylor runs. And it was brilliant. We had Oh, I think it was 20 alcohol-free drinks and bottomless pizza, which was very much appreciated. Um, and I think we all left with a few new favourite drinks, actually. But what was even better was just to connect with other people who are alcohol-free and to feel this real buzz that you get from meeting others who are on the same journey as you. Um, and I think, <laughs> I think it's probably safe to say that we have... Uh, absolutely proved that being sober is not boring. Uh, we had such a giggle and a laugh and it was just the best of fun and I really, really enjoyed it and I'm very much looking forward to working with Andy and Hannah. Uh, we're going to be putting on an event in Leeds uh, towards the end of March uh, where we're going to be launching something very special for HR professionals in the Leeds and West Yorkshire area. So look out for that one. 
So um, this week's guest um, is somebody who I met when I was looking for some help with some employment law around alcohol. Um, And Anna is a real expert in this topic. So she works for Lax Solicitors um, and she comes across um, all sorts of problems (laughs) and and grievances and deals with workplace issues um, all day, every single day. So who better to talk to us um, about the sort of issues that employers come up against in the workplace than Anna Schiavetta? Um, Anna's also a little bit of an Instagram hero. So as you may be able to tell from her surname, she has an Italian background and she has a significant Instagram following for her pasta making, which is really quite spectacular. Nothing at all to do with alcohol, but so worth checking out. Um, She makes some beautiful, beautiful reels um, on Instagram and she's an absolute pleasure to chat to. So without further ado, here's the interview with Anna. Hello, my guest today is the lovely Anna Schiavetta, which I love that surname, Anna, um, who is an employment law solicitor from Black Solicitors in Leeds. So welcome, Anna. Hello. Hi. (laughs) So, Anna, can you start us off, please, by telling us a little bit about the work that you do? Yeah, of course. Um, So um, I'm an employment law solicitor. So um i specialize in employment law i act for employees and also employers as well um but i mainly advise employers on all hr and employment law related matters okay um sounds fascinating um and what when it comes to alcohol in the workplace then what sort of questions do you generally deal with relating to alcohol Yeah, so when I'm um, advising employers, um, I tend to get a lot of questions around my employee hasn't turned up to work, but I know they've been on a night out the night before. What do I do? Can I dismiss them? Um, Or other questions such as my employees come into work, they smell of alcohol. What do I do? How do I deal with it? Mm. So that's kind of where it crops up a lot from advising employers. So how often would you say that you get queries that have got alcohol in them? You know, like, have you got a percentage? I mean, it doesn't have to be exact, but... Yeah, it's tricky. What I would say is alcohol doesn't necessarily crop up as often as you think it does. Okay. Um, but, but but it does. Yes. It, it, it does crop up. Um, and it tends to be around, I guess, issues with you know performance at work, mistakes happening at work as well, you know, not turning up to work, and like I said, smelling of alcohol. Yeah. But I think the it the most popular um, issue, I suppose, where mm-hmm. it crops up a lot um, is Christmas parties or oh, work-related events that happen outside of work. Yeah. Yeah, now that's interesting, isn't it? Because I think we've all yeah. been to a works Christmas party where, you know, either you've been the person waking up the next morning thinking, what did I say? What did I do? Or you've, you know, everyone's been gossiping about a particular person. Um, what sort of things crop up for you then? In your line of work, I mean, <laughs> not for you personally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I guess, yeah, in, in when it comes to Christmas parties, it's incidents between 
you know, two individuals at work, two members of staff where someone has drank a bit too much alcohol and hasn't really thought about what actions they then take. Yeah. Um, so to kind of put it into context, you know, a lot of the time it can be sort of sexual yeah. um, actions yeah. that, that they just don't think about because they have just drank too much alcohol um, which then puts the other individual in a really uncomfortable position and also other members of staff as well who might witness something, um, which then leads to kind of a big, a, a, a wider issue then looking at, you know, well, what happens after this? Yeah. Um, you know, what steps should the employer take? Yeah. So, that you know, that does make a lot of sense because um, we talk in, in our um, peer support group about, how alcohol works and one of the physiological effects of alcohol is that it well it does two things it shuts down your ability to make decisions and it shuts down your ability to regulate emotions so in a situation where you may without alcohol feel a slight attraction to someone in the office and let's face it who's not had an office yeah. crush um <laughs> that can turn into something that becomes unregulated to the point where you feel um you feel obliged to act upon these emotions because literally the chemical that you would normally release to suppress that emotion it cannot be released once you've had a certain amount of alcohol so of course that happens it's completely logical but to what extent can you hold people responsible for their actions when they're drunk you know from an employment law point of view this is a tricky one isn't it it is it's very tricky and you know I do agree your emotions are heightened when you know you're under the influence of alcohol but from an employment law perspective, when you are at Christmas parties or work-related events, um, the key is always to remember that they are very likely an extension of work. Yes. So how you behave, um, you know, should be how you behave at work. Um, and, you know, that a lot of the time people just find themselves in situations where, they wouldn't necessarily do it on a normal working day, um, but they have done at a Christmas party. But, you know, unfortunately, they find themselves in a situation where um, their employment is likely to end um, yeah. because some actions would then be considered as gross misconduct. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it is difficult, isn't it? And what's the role of the employer in this? So. Would there be a difference, just from a purely legal point of view, would there be a difference between um, an event where the employer had provided unlimited free alcohol and something happened mm -hmm. and an event where employees were maybe buying their own drinks and something happened? It, it all really comes down to how whether the event itself has sort of a sufficient connection to work. Okay. So whether what they have done, you know, the action that they've taken under the influence um, is done in the course of employment. So obviously if it's a workplace event and the employer, for instance, puts a limit on, you know, how much alcohol um, people can, can get, you know, yeah. on sort of a bar tab, 
um, then you know that they're the employers obviously looking to control the event to ensure that things like this doesn't happen. Um, but unfortunately, instances can still happen. Yes. Um, so it's a factor that would be considered. Um, but I guess from an employment law perspective, the situation is still that you have done something that you shouldn't have done. Yeah. It was in the course of employment. And therefore, if it is gross misconduct, um, then the individual will likely be dismissed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've... Um been a manager in a number of large corporations for a long time longer than I'd care to remember yeah. and I've <laughs> definitely dealt with a few of these types of incidents over the years I think as a as a non-drinker now when I look back at it it seems a little bit contradictory for an employer um certainly one that I used to work for we used to have a huge Christmas party it it really was quite an event and it was fun you know it was brilliant um the alcohol wasn't free but it was subsidized to the point where it was almost like the student union you know like double vodka for a pound or whatever um so it was very the message we were getting from the employer was very much fill your boots have as much to drink as you want you know get drunk have fun yeah, obviously things happened that wouldn't normally be acceptable in the workplace. And the consequences of that for a particular person I'm thinking about who used to work in my team were, you know, a final written warning, which as a really high performing young professional with a glowing career ahead of them was quite a big deal. And I, in fact, that person actually left soon afterwards and they've gone on to have a really, really strong career, but with a different mm-hmm. employer. And when I look back at that, I think, well, you know, we lost some real talent from the business there. And to what extent was that actually the employer's own doing in some ways? I'd be really interested in, you know, not your legal views on this, but just your personal views as well. Yeah, um, I mean, personally, in situations like that, obviously, depending on what the incident is, you know, what happened, to an extent, employers, um, you know, should be accountable because they are, by having, for instance, an unlimited bar tab, you are encouraging all of your staff to, to drink a lot of alcohol. And if you then don't consider what consequences may arise out of that, um, you know, then then there is an issue there. Um, And in my view, um, for employers, I understand that having an unlimited bar tab, you know, is sort of the best intention from an employer because they want staff to have a good time. Um, But it's sort of taken into account that, I guess, you don't necessarily need alcohol to have a good time um but also a limit is sensible because they do need to think about the potential consequences because there aren't just in consequences from an employment law perspective but also from a health and safety perspective too accidents can happen yeah um and you know you you just don't want you shouldn't want to put your staff in that position yeah um Mm, I, I nearly got run over by a tram in Manchester when I was drunk on a work night out. Oh, I've, oh thankfully, it didn't happen. I've got no idea how I'm still alive, Anna, to be honest. Um, <laughs> having had quite a quite a, 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 a long and sustained drinking career um, <laughs> before arriving at sobriety, as many of us have, many of us sober people 
to be honest, we've got the best stories. Um, but yeah, I do wonder Definitely. to what extent the co-op might have felt some responsibility for that had I gone under it. Um, anyway, it didn't happen. So let's not worry too much about it. Um, yes. <laughs> moving on from the kind of Christmas party, which that was, um, mm. what what about do you ever come across clients like I do who um they they almost have to drink or they certainly feel that they have to drink in the course of their employment so these are people who are typically in sales or they have their own clients who they need to entertain um I worked with a professional woman who she had she felt that she she had these clients a big account and they just loved to go out and party. And when they were in town, she would have to go out with them. And she really did feel that it, drinking was obligatory. And that was quite a big piece for her to overcome in her journey to sobriety. What's your kind of view on that? Is that still something that happens a lot? I think that it will. Yeah. It will, depending on, I guess, the industry that you work in. There is going to be, whether it's not that direct pressure from an employer, but an indirect pressure um, from the the line of work that you're in and other members of staff as well to drink when attending, you know, events or entertaining clients and so on. Um, because a lot of events are alcohol focus they tend to be you know outside of work as well it, it just tends to be focused around alcohol um but employers really need to ensure that events that they put on um you know for staff or clients or you know other sort of events at work they do need to be more inclusive um you know thinking about what events they can put on or how they can entertain clients with without alcohol, um, so that there isn't actually that pressure on staff um, to, to to feel that way. Yeah, um, it's so nice to hear you say that because I do think times are changing, and I think that more progressive mm-hmm. employers are starting to recognise this. And do you know what? It's not difficult. Um, drink matching no. is something I really encourage so if you've got beer available you need alcohol free beer if you've got champagne available you need Naseko or the wonderful yeah. Thompson and Scott's Naughty is the one to get actually just a little plug for them I don't work for Ooh, them okay. by the way but uh, Thompson and Scott's <laughs> Naughty zero alcohol fizz is amazing it's what I have every Christmas it's lovely yeah. Um, so yeah you could I mean, there's no excuse with the amount of alcohol-free options that there are in the market now. There's no excuse, employers. Um, and I'm not going to name any names, but I I went to a work-related event. It wasn't run by my employer, but it was run by a large organisation. And everyone was given a drink on the way in. This is literally two weeks ago. Um, everyone was right. given a drink on the way in. Uh, a choice of lots of different types of alcoholic drinks. I asked what alcohol-free options they had. They said Coke and lemonade. I said, have you got sparkling water? And they said, no. I was like, okay, I'm not going to have a drink then. Thanks. But I'll just stand here without one because I don't want a big cup of sugar and I don't drink alcohol. So... I'm, Absolutely I'm surprised dreadful. by that. No sparkling yeah. water. What is going on? I was like, I'll have some tap I mean, water, maybe. Have you got that? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> hopefully. Um, no, I would say in my experience, I definitely agree. You know, events are becoming more exclu- um, inclusive. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, they are very in- inclusive now. I mean, we've got a long way to go, but there, there is that, that movement. Yeah. We, are, we are getting there. Without a doubt. And I think... I do think that um, alcohol free will be seen more and more as an inclusion, an inclusion issue. So as employers are struggling to attract and retain talent, you know, and our population is becoming more and more diverse. It's so important that employers consider having the right, you know, environment for people who don't come from a drinking culture to thrive. Um, when I was uh, when I was a lass and I first started out in my career, there was almost a um, it was an unwritten rule, but the the commercial director was a big drinker and he would go to the pub every Friday and he would quite often get his wallet out and buy people drinks. You know, he's really generous, but if you weren't part of that crowd who went to the pub on the Friday and had a drink with Tony you you mm. never got promoted like you just you just didn't get promoted what does that still happen is that still something that you observe i mean that that's awful um, is, and yeah it's 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 awful to hear that um because you know promotion should not be based on that at all um and you know i would say that it it probably does still go on again depending on the business it will it will vary um but you know employers need to ensure that that is not the case you know they've got robust sort of promotion policies in place procedures on on how they can ensure that they can justify promotions um you know not based on those factors um the other thing that employers really need to be mindful of is discrimination issues when it comes to events like this mm. uh, particularly where individuals don't drink because of for instance their religion or they have a disability and um, because if events like this happen they're singled out for instance colleagues don't invite them to yes events like this um you know the managers don't invite them then there are discrimination issues that can arise from that as well um yeah which, you know again is it's not inclusive at all yeah yeah that's a really good point actually um mm. I, i've certainly witnessed well i've worked in teams where workplace events are organized amongst a certain in crowd and not everyone is invited um yeah yeah in fact if i'm really honest i wouldn't even be surprised if i'd been guilty of that at some point in the past thinking back you know um but certainly we used to work i used to work in a team that had mostly people in their 20s and two women who were um mums you know with babies and they certainly we i know we started off inviting them to everything and they always said no i think as time went on we probably just stopped inviting them you know that's that is actually when you think about it in the workplace that's not right is it It, it's it's not at all and I think for some people 
potentially they just don't think about it. They maybe don't want to put the other individual in an awkward position where they have to say no um, yeah. because they know that they're going to say no. So it may not necessarily come from, they may not necessarily have that bad intent. Um, but but ultimately, it you know, it, it shouldn't be happening because you do end up singling people out um, and it makes them feel very uncomfortable and isolated. Yeah. And that's something that employers really need to keep an eye on. Yeah. To say through their managers. Yeah. Um, in terms of the different teams. Well, I then the boot was on the other foot when I had my children. So I, as I think I might have told you mm-hmm. this, I don't know if you know or not, but I had triplets. And um, so obviously yeah. my life sort of changed dramatically uh, from being Definitely. from being the person down the pub with Tony getting a promotion <laughs> to being the person completely unable to go to the pub for several years and not getting promoted and not being invited. I can remember how it felt to uh, when people were talking about the events that they were organising together they were going out drinking together basically I can still remember now how it felt when people talked about it in the office around me and literally didn't invite me because they just assumed I wouldn't be able to go which I couldn't but do you know what it it really would have been nice for someone to acknowledge that or to say oh come on can't you get a babysitter come out and have fun with us or or why don't we do a lunch so that you can come or why don't we do something that doesn't involve getting paralytically drunk till four in the morning so that you might be able to join in you know (laughs) yeah exactly so just thinking about alcohol as an inclusion issue what sort of things come up um when you start to think about um discrimination and inclusion um in relation to alcohol yeah so with um discrimination there are nine protected characteristics in law and that says you can't be discriminated against because of those and two of those that tend to crop up are um, disabilities um, and also religion um, in the context of kind of alcohol at the workplace yeah so the first one is is disability and that's kind of cropped up in my experience where um, an individual is just not performing to the standards that they that the employer expects and they have concerns that you know they're coming in and they're smelling of alcohol and they think that their performance is affected because um, of them drinking alcohol outside of the workplace and in these situations sometimes what happens is actually an employer then finds out that the individual is drinking because they are severely depressed um And in these situations, whilst um, being an alcoholic, that that isn't a a disability under employment law, Um, and an individual may have a disability because of their addiction to drinking alcohol, or their addiction is because of a disability, like I said, you know, for instance, severe depression. And that's where there are potential issues that could give rise to disability discrimination if you don't investigate into it properly and provide the correct support before then taking formal action. Uh, interesting. And, yeah. yeah. 
And then in relation to religion, you know, there are some individuals who don't drink alcohol because of their religion. Um, so if an employee is treated differently because they don't drink alcohol because of their religion. So, for instance, if they're excluded from work events because they don't drink alcohol and that could be by their colleagues, then that could give rise to discrimination issues as well. So there are yeah. those sort of important points that employers should bear in mind. Mm, and it's uh, there's other reasons why people might not drink related to, I guess, related. So I'm just thinking about my husband. So my husband is mm -hmm. registered disabled um, because of the mobility issues that he has following um he has a brain tumour and after he had mm -hmm. surgery he um I mean he had to learn to walk again so he's um he's got some mobility issues but also he has seizures so he can drink like a couple of drinks but he can't drink more than that would okay. he be protected you know if he was excluded um yeah. from an event it, it ultimately depends. So disability under employment law, there are certain health conditions that are considered as a disability. So those are things like cancer, whereas yeah. other health conditions, it depends on whether you meet the threshold of a disability. Mm. And that's very fact specific and comes down to how that health condition impacts you on a day to day basis. So the the definition um, is a physical or mental impairment that has a substantial and negative impact on your ability to do day-to-day -day activities. So it's quite a high threshold to me and it ultimately does come down to how yeah. that condition impacts you. And for employers, um, you know, they will, they will find that information out when they carry out investigations and, and they get sort of medical evidence if, if there is that issue of, you know, potentially there is something more underlying here. Mm, interesting. Oh, that's very interesting. Um, exactly. And, and, and managers can help manage that. Yes. Um, because a lot of the time managers, you know, may be invited to this. They're aware of, you know, what events are happening outside of work after work. Yeah. And they can try to do what they can to, you know, make things more inclusive and, and organise events where everyone is able to attend. Yeah. And I think that's a that brings us on nicely actually to something I wanted to talk to you about, which is the ability of line managers to deal with alcohol related issues so presumably a lot of people who come to you yeah. are actually looking for help with this and obviously as an employment solicitor yeah. you can give them some legal advice but would you agree that there's a bit of a gap here in line manager capability um or is it well it's probably a bit mixed isn't it yeah, I would say it's mixed. It, it ultimately varies between business to business. And what I would say it comes down to is the training and support that the employer provides yeah. to their managers. Uh, because the more training they have, the more equipped they're going to feel, the more confident they're going to feel and comfortable in those situations. Um, because handling alcohol issues in the workplace they can be such a sensitive matter. Um, you know, they, they're very difficult to manage as well, uh, particularly if the alcohol incident 
gives rise to concerns that actually there's a, a deeper issue there that you know the employee is potentially going through yeah something difficult um you know like mental health issues um and the employee doesn't want to disclose that or they don't feel comfortable doing that um and in these situations it can take a lot of management time um and and, and support to really find out the truth about the individual circumstance you know looking at why are they drinking why is it impacting their ability at work and you know what the company can do to support them obviously depending on the particular circumstance but in those situations it can be very very tricky yeah yeah it can and it's you know it's not an easy thing for line managers to do sometimes but you know that's why you get paid the big bucks isn't it and this is part of the job um (laughs) it's interesting that you say you think it comes down to the training and the support um have you got any examples and you don't have to name names but like who does it well or or if you think of someone who does it really well what have they got in place that others haven't um I can't think of any sort of specific examples off the top of my head um, because it really will depend on the particular industry um, and the business in terms of what works well for them. Um, But what I would say is training, I guess, on on the wider issues of of alcohol and the consequences um, would, you know, certainly help. Um, for managers and also staff as well um, and reminders on to staff on um, standards that you know are expected in the workplace and, and a reminder that work events that are outside of the office are still an extension of the workplace and, and what standards that they expect from everyone mm-hmm. um, that you know that that's really helpful yeah. um, to have in place yeah I mean there's so many strands to it when you think of the training yeah. um, and it's not I mean obviously it's wider than alcohol but there are so many different strands e- even just looking at alcohol you know you've got dealing with someone who um, has kind of conduct issues because of their alcohol use so the kind of christmas party conduct for example then you could also have absence related or productivity related issues relating to someone's Mm -hmm. personal consumption you've also got like the risk of accidents and things that have happened you know sort of mopping up after all of that type of thing and then you might have people who perhaps have someone at home who's drinking too much you know you've got relatives and friends who are concerned about others so um i run um a peer support network in the co-op where um we have a really diverse group of people in there and some people have joined the group because they're worried about somebody else in their life and they're looking for support actually in how to support someone else um and it's great actually because in the group by observing how people in the group are supporting each other they're getting loads of ideas of how to how to kind of handle this with someone at home um and then there's also um there's kind of the wider issues that you've talked about you know like team dynamics and you know if you're going to build really high performing teams you need everyone to feel like they're on the bus you know and if somebody's like i was just fear then 
pretty much discriminated against by being excluded from all the workplace events, then that's a huge yeah. issue, not just from a legal point of view, but from a team morale and performance point of view. So there really is a lot yeah. to look at here for employers. There is. Um, and that's why it does take a lot of time um, and you know support that needs to be in place from managers um, for their staff. Um, and I think one of the other key points for managers and employers is that um, managers need to lead by example. Um, there are instances that crop up where managers just aren't doing that. Yeah. Um, and if <laughs> oh, I can give you some good yeah. examples of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that, that's what's really key um, is managers need to remember that, that they are an example yeah. and they need to do what they expect from their employees. Yeah. So if managers are at work-related events, they need to bear in mind that they are at still at work yeah. um, and they just need to be careful. Yeah, and do you know what? There's no judgment here from me. I, I, I'm not going to paint myself in the best light here, but I've definitely been one of those managers who's not um, set a very good example. Um, and it feels a little bit um, judgmental of me to call managers out for that because I know what it's like. But, you know, I think there's managers will will set a good example if it's made clear to them that that's what's expected. So it really yeah. does start at the top, at the very, very top of it the organisation. Um, and the messages that you get from board level ripple down and you know when i was in an organization where i was a manager who basically encouraged binge drinking let's face it you know i i i did um that's because that was the messages i was getting from board level the top yeah, yeah absolutely and the whole culture of the company was very alcohol orientated um yeah and i i think that that is something that in the future will not be acceptable anymore whether it's socially or legally, uh, perhaps a bit of both. Mm -hmm. um, do you feel that, that, that things are changing? Do you think that's true? Do you think things will change? Yeah, I mean, practically, sort of, you know, in practice with employers, I certainly think there will be, um, because there is that social change, which will then come through to the workplace. From a legal perspective, I think things will remain the same yeah. um, because from, from an employment law perspective, there isn't any particular law that prohibits drinking yeah. alcohol in the workplace or at work-related events. And I can't really see any law, you know, coming in place which says that, that you can't. It all comes down to how employers manage it and what's ultimately acceptable in their workplace. And the changes that are happening outside of work um, will have an influence on that for sure. Yeah. Well, I've got an upcoming guest um, from Alcohol Change UK who's going to talk to us about a campaign that they've been running to right. um, put legislation in place to, to a little bit about what you were saying earlier around discrimination and seeing mm -hmm. um, alcohol free options or lack of alcohol free options as an inclusion issue. Um, so that'll be interesting to see whether or not anything does happen in that space. Um, but not yeah, so definitely. much from not so much like I, I, I'm not sure that there'd be any change to say it 
become illegal to drink at work i don't think that would happen but there could be it could come from a slightly different angle um in terms of discrimination and inclusion um so there's a few few possibilities but i mean give you um a little story about my mum um she Mm -hmm. grew up well she was born in 1941 so um you know we're going back a, a few years um, and she tells me when she used to work in a typing pool, which was for uh, it was in the civil service somewhere. So, you know, it was government employee. She said every single person in the typing pool had an ashtray next to them and they would type and have a, a puff of cigarette, type away, have another puff of cigarette, you know, in the office. So the office yeah. must have been full of smoke. And it's something That's we mad. could not comprehend now, could you? You cannot imagine that. No. Perhaps one day. Uh, you know, in another 50 years, we'll look back and say, can you believe some offices used to have a beer fridge and people could have a beer on a Friday afternoon? That's crazy. <laughs> no, maybe. I mean, we don't have a beer fridge. <laughs> no, but people do, you know, they, I, I yeah. definitely know that some 100% know offices in Leeds that do. 100%. Wow. Yeah. No, we, we don't have one no. um, here, but yeah, that's really surprising. Yeah. But yeah, you, you, you might well be right. Yeah, yeah. Or even mm. to say, can you imagine employers being allowed to give out free alcohol? God, they'd never be able to do that now, you know? Yeah. You can kind of imagine that. You know, how does that work with minimum pricing in Scotland? You know, there's like, is, is that not a bit of a conflict? Can you give away alcohol free as an employer in Scotland? In Scotland? Yeah. Oh, I'm not sure about in Scotland. Um, employment law is slightly different in Scotland. Okay. Everything's um, slightly so different I'm, in Scotland. <laughs> it is. It's, it's a little bit different. Yeah, um, so I'm not, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. But but obviously they have a lot of limits on alcohol yeah. there because of the issues in Scotland. Yeah. Um. I can only assume there is something um, in place to to limit that, mm. to prevent that from I happening. I know. I'm, I'm going to look that up. <laughs> mm. Yeah, um, let me know. <laughs> and then I've only got a couple more questions, but um, and I understand if you don't want to answer this, it is absolutely fine. But do you have any good stories that you can tell us about alcohol in the workplace? And you can change names to protect the innocent. <laughs> um, so I... I don't have any specifics, unfortunately. Um, but I guess one one incident, a few incidents that have cropped up is where individuals have been drinking outside of work, not at work-related events, so you know, completely separate from work. But then what's happened is they have done something where that's caused them to be arrested. Right. So I had an incident where the individual got in his car, um, you know, drank a litre of vodka and um, crashed and then got arrested. And then he didn't turn up to work the next day. Yeah. Um, so there are instances like that that do crop up where it's not work-related events at all. It's completely separate. But the impact that it then has on work um you know their ability to work because they, they just don't turn up yes um so y- you do have stories like that where yeah it's actions that they've taken 
outside of work, completely outside of work, when they are drunk, that that, that impacts. And what what um, does the law say about that like, then? What what where does that how does that work from an employment law point of view? Yeah, so from an employment law perspective, again, it comes down to how their actions outside of work affect their ability to work. Yeah. Um, so things you might look at are, um, you know, obviously not being able to work if they're arrested and then, you know, later charged. Yeah. Um, or reputational damage as well. Um, you know, if an individual has posted something let's say on Facebook when they were really drunk and it was very inappropriate yeah and you know let's say I don't know they were in their work uniform or their Facebook says that they work at the company yeah and you know a lot of individuals have seen it and a lot of clients have seen it then you know there's going to be a close connection to their work and, and ultimately impact yeah um their employment so it's how how it links yeah. and that's very fact specific yeah wow there's so many different things that can go wrong <laughs> really really are I'd never there are a lot that. of things <laughs> that can go wrong yeah. yeah um one of the I remember reading a case I think it was a couple of years ago and it was in the court of appeal and it was actually a Christmas party and um, but after the Christmas party some People from work went to a hotel for an after party and a managing director um, ended up going to the party as well. Um, And I think things got a little bit heated. um, I think they were talking about work or something like that. And anyway, the managing director ended up punching um, one of the colleagues at this after party. So the case was all about whether this after party that actually wasn't planned yeah. um, was sort of sufficiently close to work, whether there was that connection to work. And actually the Court of Appeal held that, that, it, that it was um, because the individual was the managing director and the conversation that that sort of came to light was to do with work and that's what ended up leading to him effectively assaulting um a a colleague wow uh which is ridiculous um but you know instances like that yeah does does happen yeah and that's really interesting as well that the court of appeal has ruled that Mm. that is an extension of the workplace um and that's a bit of a call to action I think to employers to make sure they do actually have the right policies in place and the right training and support to protect themselves yeah. isn't it definitely and in that case as well you know it was a managing director someone you know yeah right from the top um, I wonder if it was which... the same one I was talking about earlier who <laughs> who knows who knows indeed the one who was at the bar every friday (laughs) (laughs) but it happens and and yeah i remember sort of reading that case and just thinking wow that's awful yeah um and the reputational damage that comes along with it for employers as well um you know will will be substantial yeah yeah no that's great that, those are great I think those kind of case studies and examples are really powerful so thank you for sharing those 
Um, and then I only have one more question, which is nothing to do with any of the rest of it. But I ask all of my <laughs> guests to please share with me a book recommendation. Like what is your favourite book and why? Oh, that's very hard because I do read a lot of books. Um, but one of the books that I'm recently reading, and that's because I actually watched the, the series, um, it's called The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, yeah. And that's by Margaret Atwood. Yeah. Um, and it's a great book. It is. It's, it's very, very powerful. Um, so I would recommend reading that. I'd also recommend watching the series as well, because surprisingly, um, the series is very, very good. And usually what I find is a book is always better. Um, but but it, yeah, it's a very good book and good series. Yeah. Do you know, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I'm one of those people who get start shouting at the telly when I watch a film of a book because it's not as good as the book. Yeah. Or they change the ending or they take a character out who you loved or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, The Handmaid's Tale is a bit of an exception, actually. They are both excellent. So yeah fully on board with your recommendation there Anna thank you thank you oh thank you so much for taking some time out of what I'm sure is a very busy schedule to talk to us today it's been an absolute pleasure um so thank you thank you so much for having me it's been great it's been great to chat to you you're very very welcome thank you okay thank you bye Thank you so much, Anna, for sharing with us um, all of that really valuable information about how employment law applies to some of these situations, which can definitely be a little bit tricky to navigate. So thank you for that. Um, And if you want to get in touch with Anna, you can find her via the Blacks Solicitors website, uh, which is lawblacks.com. So final bit for you. Did you know that World Sleep Day is upcoming? So that's um, in the middle of March, 17th of March. Um, It's a bit of an unusual one, this. I can't say that I've ever seen a huge amount about sleep in the workplace wellbeing agenda in any of the places that I've worked. And yet we know so much more now about the importance of sleep. Um, And so if you would like to get some free information about how alcohol and sleep are related and to understand what that relationship really looks like, head over to the Choose Sunrise website and sign up for the free HR resources. And this month you can get access to um, a talk that I did about the relationship between alcohol and sleep. And that's available as a video link that you can use as a resource for anybody in your workforce to watch in their own time or at work or however you want to use it. just a free resource for you to help you understand why alcohol could could be the missing link in why you might not be catching as many Zs as you would like to. So feel free to share that far and wide um, and I will see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you. If you'd like to learn more about creating a drink safe workspace without killing the buzz, visit choosesunrise.co.uk and head to the HR services page. Let's end the stigma because nobody should feel afraid to ask for help with alcohol use.